Stu, thank you very much for that gracious welcome and introduction. Um, I'd forgotten some of that stuff, but yes, yes, I do have three children. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, one of them is currently um, a youth pastor in Christchurch, and she's with a group at the Canterbury Easter camp. Nearly flooded out, but uh, you know, they're, they're there. Um, our younger daughter is with her youth group at uh, the North Island Easter camp up in Mystery Creek. Um, our son has just gone to the States, and I don't know what he's up to, so we'll pass on from there. Um, but it's wonderful to be here. It's such a privilege for me to be able to share this Easter um, with you here in Upper Hutt, and such a joy to share in those services on Friday with the young people last night, um, and now this morning. And I'm so grateful to have been led in worship in the way that we have been today, um, in worship, in song, in prayer, um, with this sense that we are together as the people of God on a day that is hugely significant for us, because this is the day on which everything changed. This is the day on which the world became different, with a different potential, with a different hope, with a different possibility. And so we celebrate it, and we celebrate in those songs, and we rejoice that my Redeemer lives. And yet in saying that, as we were singing that song, I was reflecting that you remember who first uttered those words? I know that my Redeemer lives. Well, it wasn't the disciples. It wasn't those in the joy of Easter Sunday who said, you really are here. You live. You're alive. It was Job. It was suffering Job in the midst of his pain and of his confusion and of his anger. Everything had fallen down around him. His life seemed to have collapsed. He couldn't understand why things were hard, things were inexplicable, things were painful. His grief was almost unbearable. And yet, out of that sorrow and out of that confusion and in that doubt, he affirmed, but I know that my Redeemer lives. Now, in a group like this, there will be many who are able to thrill to the songs of praise and to join gladly in celebrating the reality of our risen Jesus. There will be others who stand today in a context of deep pain and almost unbearable suffering and confusion and doubt and questioning. And for you who also say out of that place, but I know that my Redeemer lives, And in the end, he will stand upon the earth. You are standing in a tradition of courageous faith that reaches way back beyond even 
the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And looks not with any sense of experienced joy, but with a grim, determined hope that God will come through and that He is there. And although I can't see it now, there will be righteousness and justice, and God will do that which is right. So, for you, and I don't know who you are, but for you who are speaking today out of that place, I honor your faith, and this community stands with you in affirming the faith of the church of Jesus Christ within which you also are held. Just the other day, we marked the sixth anniversary of a terrible tragedy that touched many in New Zealand and overseas um, at the Mongotopopo River. When a group from a Christian school was on an outdoor pursuit, we can you remember it, and some of you will have personal contact with folk there. And, you know, there was a terrible flash flood Young people lost their lives, all of them followers of Jesus, all of them from different churches around East Auckland, where um, we we currently live, and including uh, the young man, the teacher, Tony McLean, who had been the youth pastor um, of our children, those three that I've now mentioned, when we first came to New Zealand. Um, He was the young teacher who... um, tied himself to um, a young boy who suffered from physical disabilities, couldn't swim, and launched together um, into that, that tempestuous river and both lost their lives. Um, a terrible tragedy. And yet, out of that, such, such a sense of the presence of God in the Elam school where it happened, in the Eastview church and the other churches, all, the, all those who died were from different church communities. It touched so, so many people. But this sense of the reality of a God in whom we hope not only for this life, because as Paul says, if it's only for this life that we hoped, then wouldn't we be of all people the most to be pitied? Wouldn't it be such a waste of time to spend our lives chasing a hope that in the end turned out to be futile? But in fact, Christ has risen from the dead. And because of his resurrection, we know that death is not the end of the story. We know that death is the ushering into a fuller life. We know that the one who defeated death is the one who has stood ready to welcome those young people and others who have passed on before us. And yet there were those who found it so hard. I talked with the grandmother of one of the young people who died, and she was there at the time. People just gathered, and uh, we were all together, and... um, and she was so distraught. A, a, a woman of faith, of 
maybe 70, 80 years of Christian faith, and yet she said, I just can't believe. I just can't believe. I I see my husband. He's a man of great faith. He believes all the time. He's confident. He's saying, but he's with the Lord. He says, I just don't know. I can't believe. And I I felt compelled to, to, to say to her, yes, but it's not just your faith. It's the faith of the church. It's the faith of the people of God. And there are times when you've held up others in faith. This is a time when the church holds you and you are held in the faith in which you stand. Now, maybe some of you are in that place. You say, oh, I wish I believed. I wish I believed more strongly. I wish I believed more confidently. But I confess that Jesus is Lord. I know that my Redeemer lives, but I'm not very confident about it. Well, maybe today you need to be held in the faith of the church and know that the people of God who surround you believe with you and pray for you. And the time will come when your faith will strengthen theirs, just as today perhaps theirs strengthens yours. But today is the day when everything changed. And we we sang that song, didn't we? Forever I am changed. Well, what what changes exactly? I mean, let's be real. (laughs) What, What exactly changes? It's a question to take to the, the gospel accounts. And I'd like to read some, some verses from Luke's gospel asking that question, what changed exactly because of the resurrection of Jesus? Let's read from, from Luke chapter 24, the first verse. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, they being the women who had been close to Jesus. Interesting, eh? At the cross, it was the woman. And John, the beloved disciple, and Peter, some distance away, but the rest of the men, nowhere to be seen. But the women were there. Others were with him at his time of evident victory and popularity, but at the time of his rejection, they were gone but the women were there. The women were there in their faithfulness, standing with him in his popularity and continuing with him when the world rejected him. They were there. They were there in his evident victory. They were there in his apparent defeat. They were there in that loyalty, in that costly faithfulness, in that dogged determination. They were there, there at the cross, and there again at the tomb. So, verse 1, that's they um, came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Why had they done that? Well, that's what you did with a dead body. You anointed it with spices for burial so that it wouldn't decompose so quickly. You prepared it. They came ready to serve a dead body. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they didn't find the body. 
While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. How frustrating was that? They've gone, they've seen, they've heard, they return, they tell, they've got great news to share. They've got wonderful, earth-shattering news, announcement to make, and they tell the people who love Jesus most. They tell the people who were his disciples. They tell the people who'd spent three years learning from him, following him, serving him, and they said, it's wonderful. The tomb is empty. He's alive. And they say, Lord of rubbish. How stupid can you get? You can't believe that. And they say, no, no, we really have heard. We've been there. We've looked. And say, most of them don't even bother to go. It's that crazy. A couple of them do. From the other Gospels, we hear Peter and John. They at least go and have a look. But they just go away perplexed. What on earth is this about? But what change for those women? Get travel there with them. Why did they go to the tomb? Well, I mean, Jesus was dead as far as they knew and believed he was dead, why would they still go to the tomb? Well, they were loyal. There was loyalty there. There was the desire to honor the one they had loved. Yes, they were so disappointed. Yes, they were disconsolate. They were desolated because the one they'd loved and put their hope in had been crucified and had died. They'd seen the body taken down from the tomb. The body had been placed in the grave. They knew he was dead. They knew it was over. But there was still that loyalty. They wanted to do the right thing for him. The fact that this, their hopes were dashed, it hadn't worked out as they wanted, that, that didn't stop them. They would still serve him. Even in his death, they would serve him. Even in their disappointment and in their dashed hopes, they would serve him. Isn't there something admirable about that? That loyalty? And it's also they went together. Perhaps they went for closure. Perhaps they'd been through such an emotional roller coaster over the last week or so with this wonderful entry into Jerusalem. Hosanna to the son of David. People putting cloaks down on the road. Jesus riding in. Echoes of those prophecies from the Old Testament of the king arriving and people clapping and cheering and singing and praising. And they were part of it. They were there and they were saying, this is our guy. Yep, he's ours. We've been with him. And people saying to them, are you with that group? 
are you one of those Galileans? And they'd begin to speak, and they could tell from their northern accent. Say, yeah, you're one of them. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, can we get your autograph? You know, will you come be part of our group? It was wonderful to be part of the group of followers of this hero that was being received into Jerusalem. And then things becoming so, so ominous. Jesus teaching in the temple and the hearing the angry murmuring of the temple authorities, the police, the, 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 those who came and tried to shut him up, tried to stop him, tried to um, limit what he was saying. And then the angry murmuring growing and Jesus himself beginning to say to them, look, do you realize that uh, I'm going to be killed? I'm going to be handed over to these people. They're going to put me to death. And on the third day, I will rise. But they just couldn't take that in. It was just beyond comprehension. And then the day comes. Jesus is arrested. Jesus is taken and tried. They hear a different sound in the streets of Jerusalem. The sound of a a, a mob beginning to get enraged and, and baying for blood. Crucify him. Crucify him. We don't want this man to be our king. And they see him led out to the place of crucifixion and they weep in despair and in confusion and in hurt and in pain, and they still can barely believe that this could possibly be happening, but then they hear the nails thud into the cross. They see the cross raised up and Jesus upon it, and they are there. Who could live through that? But now they go to the tomb. They go perhaps to find closure, to just resolve this, to do what has to be done, and then perhaps they can move on and begin to think about what next. And they go with each other. This group they'd been through so much together. Luke tells us some of these Galilean women had come down with Jesus Um, from Galilee, supporting him, some of them, out of their own means, out of their own possessions, and still they're together in their grief. And they find comfort in just sharing this experience together and being there with one another, in going through these preparations together. And they find strength in one another as they go. Is that actually how how you've come today? Have you come out of loyalty to the past? Have you come with a desire to just do the right thing? Have you come in the hope that by gathering together with some like-minded people, you find a bit of strength? A bit of help, a bit of encouragement in the context of this hostile world that doesn't understand our faith. Well, for those women, everything changed. And if that's you, then today it can change for you as well. Because it changed from loyalty to a living relationship, from looking to the past and what had been and what they had hoped but what was no more, 
for suddenly a whole new future opening up. A future not consisting of remembering, 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 but of looking forward, 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 and entering into all the potential of the relationship with the risen Lord, who now freed from the limitations of His earthly form, is at work in the world. Changed from huddling together in the hope that they can find comfort against the hostile world, to running out into that world with good news that the world needs to know and that they're delighted and privileged to be able to share. It changed for them. It can change for us. But what about um, the others? Well, that Luke's gospel continues. And uh, let me read a little bit more and just allow these words to speak to you and enter into the experience, not now of the women, but now of two disciples whom we read about in Luke um, 24, verse 13. On the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they're talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, he being Jesus, the guy who did have a good idea of what had just happened. Uh, What things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they didn't find his body there, they came back and told us they'd indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in the Scriptures. As they came near the village where they were going, He walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us, it's almost evening, the day's nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts 
burning within us while He was talking to us on the road, when He was opening the Scriptures to us. That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and He's appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how He'd been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Everything changed for those two disciples, followers, who'd been with the others on that day, and they heard the news, the tomb's empty, we've had a vision of angels, but they didn't believe, they couldn't comprehend, it didn't change things for them. It was an idle tale. It was in those chauvinistic days, which are now long past us, uh, it was like, that's women's talk. You know, they're emotional creatures, these, you know. They've probably got overexcited. You know, they've imagined things. It's wishful thinking, wish fulfillment. You know, I mean, we men, we're not swayed by such emotion. And so they didn't believe them. It must have been a little bit ironic when they got back. Now with this great news, we've actually met him. We've met him. And now they're saying, oh, yes, he's risen. He appeared to Simon, you know, the man. Simon says he's risen. So now we know it's true. Sorry, women misjudged you, but Simon says he's risen. It's just interesting, isn't it, that, you know, Jesus chose as his first witnesses people whose witness was not respected in that community. You had to be a man to be a witness in a law court at that time. Jesus made women the first witnesses of the resurrection. He made them the first preachers of the resurrection. Who who were they to tell? Well, the apostles. You know, who can teach the apostles? Well, the women can. So, there you go. Um, Add that unto your church policies. (laughs) But what changed for these men? Um, Well, some people think it wasn't a man, some think it was Cleopas and his wife, you know, a couple. Um, But what changed for them? Well, they changed from looking back to looking forward. And they changed from confusion to realization, from thinking that hope had not been fulfilled to seeing that on the contrary, the hope of the world had been fulfilled and was still being fulfilled, not only in what Christ had done, but in what He was going to continue to do. They moved from their experience in that moment to the sense of what God was doing through history, foretold in the Scriptures, fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Christ and now carried forward into the world. So, is that you? Are you those who know the story and you've heard everything that others have said, but it still hasn't sunk in for you? And you're saying, well, you know, great, isn't it wonderful that these women feel a little bit better? But in the real world, you know, we've got to cope with the facts. And the fact is, Jesus is gone. The fact is, the game's over. We might as well go home. And as they go home, there's this stranger alongside. So, what's all that about? Don't you know? Mm, tell me. Oh, it was the one that we had hoped would redeem Israel. But obviously, we were wrong. And it's just also tragic. And he says, you stupid or what? How slow of heart you are. He didn't say to believe those who've told you, to believe the Scriptures. Don't you know what God has said He will do? 
Don't you see in the events of the last few days the fulfillment of God's stated purpose and promise that the Messiah would suffer and then enter into His glory? And that is what has happened before your very eyes, and you didn't see it. And so their hearts burn. The Scripture begins to work within them, and they're saying, yeah, this is actually true. This is making sense. This is real. And then comes that moment when they invite the stranger to be their guest, and then the guest becomes the host. You notice that? He takes the role of the host, which you don't normally do as, as a guest. You, you know, um, I, I didn't do that, did I, Murray? No, I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, Sandra's been a wonderful um, hostess preparing meals, but it would just be a bit odd, eh, if I, if I walked into Murray's house and said, uh, right, well, it's nice to have you here, Murray, nice to have you here, Sandra, Dan, you know, boys, um, sit down, let's see if I can give you something to eat. You know, it's just sort of wrong way around. Well, they say to this stranger, why don't you come in, have something to eat, because it's late. And the next minute, he's the one who's taking the role of the host, he's taking the food, he's taking the bread, he's breaking it, and he blesses it, and their eyes are opened, say, yes, these are the hands that broke the bread that fed the multitude. These are the hands that shared the meal at the Last Supper. These are the hands that were nailed to the cross, and these are the hands that now reach out to us with the gift of love and acceptance. When you break bread with somebody, you're saying, we are one. That's what the communion is. We are one. And he is saying to those doubting disciples who had given up on him, I'm not giving up on you. You are mine. You are my friends. I share myself with you. What changed? Instead of looking back in disappointment, they looked forward in excitement and in hope. Instead of thinking of Jesus as the one who had so let them down, they see him now as the one who in a way far beyond their imagination is alive and real and with them and continues to invite them to share his life and to be part of what he's doing in the world. And then um, lastly, because our time is, is, is going, uh, let's go back to the disciples in verse 36. While they were talking, this is all the disciples in Jerusalem, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Now, how much is it going to take <laughs> for them to realize? But this is real human experience. Very rare that people can switch straight on to complete faith and confidence. It builds. And it took a lot of believing. And it took a lot of encouragement from Jesus until they were able to really know with certainty that it was Him. He said, Why are you frightened? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. I mean, we all know that now in New Zealand after the ghost chips ad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that allusion didn't quite work, did it? <laughs> but what he says to them is, you know, I can actually eat. Um, have you anything here? 
anything here worth eating? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. You know, one of the kind of little humorous things in Luke's gospel is the number of times he tells us about Jesus eating. I mean, somebody, one scholar has said that in Luke's gospel, pretty well every time you hear something about Jesus, he's either at a meal or he's coming from a meal or he's going to a meal. Um, <laughs> he's somebody who enjoyed his tucker. And when they see this apparition before them and they think, oh, what is it, what is it, what is it? He says, uh, you get anything to eat. And they say, oh, it's him, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> then he said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. What changed? Instead of being a little group of disconsolate followers of a defeated local leader, they realized that they were actually caught up in something of eternal significance. The story of the mission of God. The story that begins before time. The story that is witnessed to through the whole Bible from Genesis right through to Revelation, even though Revelation hadn't actually been written at that point, but all through the Old Testament. The story of what God is doing to redeem and restore and reconcile a lost world to Himself. The story of what God is doing to establish His kingdom of justice and of righteousness and of peace where the poor are cared for, where the needy are no longer oppressed, where those who are without have and those who have share a, a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of true shalom, wholeness, wellness in community as well as in individual hearts and lives. That's what God is doing and it's promised in the Old Testament. It's fulfilled in Jesus, finds its focus in Him and now its effects are unrolling throughout the world. And Jesus says to that little group, of doubting and slow of heart and slow of mind, the believers, he says, you are my agents. You are the agents of this kingdom. You are the ones who are going to take this wonderful good news to all the nations, and you will do it with my power, which I will bestow upon you. So receive that, and then you're ready to go. What changed for them? They changed from people without a purpose, people without a plan, to people who realized that they were invited to participate in God's purpose, in God's plan, and that's what their lives were for. Not for themselves. It's not the other way around. It's not, you know, I've got my plan for my life. I'm hoping that Jesus will help me fulfill my dreams. It's God has a plan for the world, and He invites me to be an agent of His kingdom, to be a participant in what He has promised and what He is fulfilling. And He's doing that now by His Holy Spirit through the people whom He invites to share in His great purpose for the world. So, what can change 
for us today. I'd like to conclude in a moment by inviting some of you, inviting all of us, to look to God for change, to pray for change. For some, it may be the change that came about as a result of the preaching of that message. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all nations. When it first happened in Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost, do you know what the response was? The message was, this person whom you crucified, God has raised up. He is Lord. He is King. And the response was, well, what can we do? What can we do? Because we realize that we have not been on the side of God's appointed King. In fact, our lives and our attitudes have been opposed to Him. And the message from Peter was, well, repent, change, be baptized, enter into the communion with God and with the people of God. Receive the forgiveness of sins. Be empowered and graced by the Holy Spirit. Become a new person who is a participant in this mission that God is continuing through the world. Maybe that's you. Perhaps for the first time in this this service today with our worship and prayer and with the Word, perhaps for the first time you are saying, Yeah, this is actually real. This isn't just a story. This isn't just a club where people meet and say, hey, we've got a great story to look back on 2,000 years ago and it helps us live better lives. We are serving a risen, living Lord Jesus Christ who is King, who is Lord. And it's not enough to say, nice story. The question is, will we serve this Lord? Will we surrender to him the lives for which he died, for which he gave his love and his life? If that's you, there'll be people who would love, who would absolutely love to pray with you, to cement in you that recognition that Jesus is Lord and that determination to change and be part of his community. And if you'd like prayer for that, then just, just come. Just, just come into this space at the front here. And there are many local pastors and church leaders who will be on hand to stand with you and pray with you. And today could be the day that for you, everything changes. Because Jesus takes his rightful place in your life as Lord and as King and as Savior And those things that are wrong, those things that have spoiled your life, those things of which you're ashamed, those things you want to be rid of but can't shift, they can be forgiven. And that powerlessness can be replaced by the power of God. So come, and there are those who will stand and pray with you. And maybe you are a a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for years. But you're more like the women going to the tomb than coming back from it. There's loyalty. There's maybe costly service. There's companionship in this little huddle of people who have a shared memory, shared traditions, but there's a hostile world out there. And it's a scary place. 
but wouldn't you rather be like the women going from the tomb? Not only with this loyalty to the past, but with a sense of a living relationship with our risen Lord Jesus. And not only huddled in on each other so that you can somehow or other find comfort in your shared attitudes in a world that doesn't understand, but looking outwards and saying, look, we have something to share. We have a reality to communicate. We have others to encourage. We have work to do because we now want to live for our risen Lord, not only serve the memory of what once was. If that's you, would you come? And there will be those who will stand with you and pray that today there will be the change from the going to the tomb to the coming back. There will be a change in receiving a refreshing and a sense of the reality of the risen Lord Jesus that throws wide open the horizons of the potential for your life from now on and that opens up your heart to walk with the risen Lord Jesus as His servant. Or what if you're like one of those disciples, committed to serving Him, followed Him through His earthly ministry, you've done stuff for Him, but what now? What now? And you hear Jesus say to you, as He says to those disciples when He meets them in the evening of the, of the first day, this is God's plan. It's bigger than you think. It started in prehistory. It's testified to through the Scriptures. It's focused in me, and it goes on out into the world, and you are to be my witnesses, and you are to go to the nations, and you are the people through whom my kingdom will be established in this world. You, in all your weakness, in all your frailty, you are the ones whom I am going to empower and whom I am going to use. And if you are ready to say, yes, Lord, I'll be part of that, wherever and whatever, but my life is not mine, it's yours. I'm not the master, you are my Lord. If today there's going to be a change in emphasis in how I think and what I do and how I make my decisions, a change in readiness, a change in attentiveness to your plan, not only for me, but for your world and how I can participate in that. Would you like to come? And we'll pray together that God will confirm these things in our heart. I mean, perhaps the music team would help us by, um, if they're still here, oh yeah, yeah, wonderful, Um, by coming and and playing just for a few minutes. Um, And if there are those who want today to be a day of change, will you feel free to come? And those who will be praying with you and for you, will you also come and stand ready And we'll look together for today to be the day in which things change. The day from which we'll look back and say, yeah, things were different because of Easter. Things are different because of the empty tomb. Things are different because of the risen Lord Jesus.
Lord, our prayer is that the reality of Easter Day will grip us and take hold of us as never before. Our prayer is that you, risen Lord Jesus, will make yourself known to us. That we will hear you say, deep within our hearts, peace, it is I. Don't be afraid. That we will know with certainty that you are the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us and that you are the Lord of all heaven and earth and you not only forgive our sins but invite us to be part of what you are doing to bring your just and good rule into fruition in this world. So help us, we pray, and in these moments, as we pray and reflect, do a work in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Please continue in prayer. And for those who want to make that step of change and have it confirmed or are helped into it, by someone who will pray with you and stand with you. Just feel free to come and people will be here to pray and to speak with you.